0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies, the author series of podcasts. Um, I am one of your hosts, Deborah Carney, and today we're introducing a new host, Karen Garcia. Hi, Karen, how are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you today, Debbie? Good. And today we are interviewing author, publisher, marketer, uh, Claudia Christian. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hi, Karen. Um,
1: Hi, Debbie. Hello.
0: <laughs> Debbie, should I, should I call you Debbie? Yeah, uh, Debbie is fine. Yep. Okay. And um, okay, so Claudia, why don't you introduce yourself to the folks that are listening, and tell them a little bit about your background. Um, my name is is Claudia Hall Christian. Um,
1: I use the Hall, which is my mother's maiden name, because uh, there's an actress called Claudia Christian who did some pornography, and <laughs> I just wanted Oops. to try and separate myself from that. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> yeah. Um. I am an author. I uh, write, uh, I, I, my specialty is serial fiction. I write the Denver serial, um, which I've done for the last four years. Um, and we call that sweet and crunchy serial fiction. It's basically an urban fiction that has a lot of action and a lot of romance and a lot of fun stuff. Um, I also write a, a fairly intense thriller series, and that's um, called the Alex the Fay Thriller Series. I last year I had a contract to write a serial in Fort Worth, Texas, and I wrote the Queen of Cool, um, which is out there. And next year we're going to start a serial in Boston.
0: So when you say you're writing a serial about a particular city, that just means that that's where the um, you don't necessarily have to live there, but you just focus on it takes place in that area. It takes place in that city.
1: And I write traditional serial fiction, which means that it's published as it's written. So we publish primarily originally on websites, um, in blog formats. For example, the Denver Serial, which, like I said, has been going four years, and right now we're at Chapter 217, Um, it publishes every day, six days a week, um, one chapter a week, and so the new serial will publish probably two chapters a month, which is what we did for what I did for the Queen of Cool. I say we because you know it takes a whole team to get get these serials together. I do the writing. Um, I have a variety of editors who do the editing, and then it's this back and forth, you know, both content and proofreading before it goes up. Um, so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's very fun. Everybody who's involved um works fast, you know, is is on the time schedule. So Wow. You no, know, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Denver Serial has four chapters four chapters a month. And if we add, if I add a new one, then that will be two two extra chapters a month. And then I, I also write um the Alex the Faye series uh it publishes every February. So there are four of those so far. So yeah, I've been very lucky to have such great characters and such exciting stories that they're really fun to write.
0: That's just really cool. Now are these subscription based sites or they're just out there? Well the sites are basically
1: out there. The the Alex the Faye Series comes out in in paperback and ebook before we post it to the internet. Okay. Um, the Denver serial works in the reverse order. So because again, it's a serial fiction, which literally means a tr- it's a traditional serial fiction, which literally means that it is published as it is written. Um, it's that's what happens. I write it. It goes up. I write it. It goes up. I mean, it goes through editing with some content editing that happens before it goes up. But that's that's like it's like the purest form of writing and reader entertain, interaction because the readers then cannot really affect the serial. Um, sometimes I post. You know, do you think this character is going to have a girl or a boy or? Um probably the biggest one that happened is we had this serial killer who was killing kids through the city of Denver and he killed a whole bunch of kids over some long period of time and um I have wanted him to get arrested and have the families have a trial and all that stuff but my Editors were having none of it, and so I put it out there to the community, and they said, you know, not only did they want him killed, but they wanted to suffer <laughs> tremendously. So, I mean, so that's how serial fiction works. You know, okay. it's it's how it's how Dickens did it. It's it's how Conan Doyle did it. It's it's how Armstead um, Mappin did it. It's how uh, the I always mess, mess up the lady who wrote. um Sex in the City, It's how she did it, you know, it's, okay. it's writer-reader interaction.
0: Wow, and I'm just trying to figure out, so how, like, okay, so it goes up on the website, and then does it come out published on, like, a Kindle as an ebook, or it, are you just, because I know there's some people that would um, avidly follow the, you know, the whole stories on the blog, obviously, as it's written, but then do you, you have it, in book form for people who you know want to just read sections at a time oh
1: sure i mean there are six denver serial books um there'll be a seventh this year and like i said you know that the alex the books work in the opposite the book is released and then it's serialized okay. so people who, who don't want to buy the book or who like the serial format or who simply just can't afford it have a chance to read and, and keep up and it's available, you know, in every format and every bookstore, um, you know, from Kindle to eBooks to Smashwords to iTunes, and certainly in paperback. We don't. We did a, not, a lot of market research before we started the um, group of us, and what we discovered was that people really only buy hardbacks because they have to, because they want to get there that first read of a hardback but then no one likes them they're heavy no. you can read <laughs> a bathtub you know all the rest of that stuff and the only reason publishers make them is they make more money off them they make a dollar a dollar a hardback versus 25 cents which is what they make off a paperback okay
0: that's really so we just
1: cool. we just publish paperbacks which okay. people-
0: and it seems like the perfect type of and when did you start these
1: I started the Denver Serial in June of 2008.
0: Wow. Because that seems to be the perfect fit for ebooks because you can, like you said, as soon as you're done putting it up on the blog, you can then go boom up on Kindle, you know, or, you know, everywhere on the um, electronic side. And it's easy and fast for people to consume it. And, you know, like I said, if they don't have time to go to the blog every day or they're afraid they miss something, they can go to get the book, and then you've also got the traffic from the people who go right to Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble that grab the book, and then they want to know more, and you send them back to the website.
1: Mm-hmm. So. That's, that's how it works. I mean, again, that's how serial fiction has always worked. Wow. So, um, you know, you probably have heard the stories of people being so desperate to know what happens to a character in a serial fiction that they meet the boats that are carrying it over, you know? Gosh. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's like the ultimate, the pent ultimate of actual serial fiction. And, you know, again, um, I, I couldn't, I always say that that Charles Dickens is my mentor. I, I couldn't, you know, even compare myself to him, but, but I try and just do what he did and what um step Maupin did and, and what a lot of other really great serial fiction authors have done. Um, so, you know, it's it's all about uh, having exciting stories and gripping tear-jerkers and making people cry and making them laugh and making them cheer and making them feel like when they come to the website that it's family.
0: That's really awesome. Karen, It actually doesn't it sound like actually like a lot of the role-playing game type stuff and just putting it into, you know, more of a structured format?
2: Uh, kind of, you know, I I, I am I am a, a, a die in the wool gamer, and um, you know I do have a lot of friends that do a lot of fiction about the characters that they have created in various game worlds and whatever, and it sounds it sounds incredibly similar, but this is obviously
1: so much more in depth. <laughs>
2: Because I mean to have two hundred how many did you say that two
1: hundred and seventeen uh I think that this week we're at two hundred and seventeen yeah that's incredible that's that's a lot of of writing
0: <laughs> so
2: do do you do you write every day or do you just like devote like several days of the week to just
1: kind of you know blast it all out there? um I write every day. Um, I work a a really long day. I I get up in the morning and go out with my husband and he leaves for work. We we go for a run and walk and then I sit down at my desk. Um, I do work social media and interact with my readers and have conversations and send emails in the mornings until about 10 and then I write until about 5 to make dinner. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, um, last year I was doing about 40,000 words. I, I had deadlines for 40,000 words every single month. And so it was like, wow. doing. I and mean, people will wow. talk about doing NaNoWriMo, um, uh, mm-hmm. but I had, I had those deadlines, you know, some months like the Fae books are, I usually start writing, like I'll start writing one this month and, um. And when I'm working on that, then my then you know the word, word can't goes way up. So right, the Denver yeah. serials are usually between two and three thousand words. And so again, if I start another serial, if we start another serial, we'll find the right partners next year for the one in Boston, then um, then that'll be another two or 3 it that'll be another six thousand words, six to eight thousand words a month. Right. Oh my goodness. I think I have all well, of them. I was
2: gonna say, yeah, type <laughs> fascinating and, and the edit process on that must be must be, you know, pretty much down to the wire. You have it all laid out and what happens when and all, yeah. everything is all done.
1: Really fabulous people. And I've just also been really lucky. I have really interesting characters and um you know, I'm I'm a, a pantser. So I just start and it all happens. I, the biggest problem I've had is that I wear out keyboards. And so I finally <laughs> ended up getting wasn't that funny? I, know, I finally <laughs> ended up getting a Steel series, which is actually a gaming keyboard. And this is this keyboard I've had the longest. I got it last June, and so it's lasted about a year. Which is the longest any keyboard has had, and since I type so fast, I need a keyboard that has a really fast response. And so, right. I mean, I'm not a—they're not paying me for this—but those are the problems that I have. I burn out keyboards pretty fast, and um, I went through like four last year. Until right. I asked a friend of mine who's a programmer who works as much as I do, and that's what he uses. Yeah,
2: yeah, you yeah, got. You have to have a, you know, especially with with gaming, you know, having a responsive keyboard is is really important because you don't want to have something that is, is the action on it is slow or or anything like that, and especially when you're typing so quickly. I mean, that's that's a lot of words to to put out there. I actually there the the, the Nano Rimo thing, of course, is in November, um, and for those of of our listeners who don't know what that is, it's it's the national. Um, oh my gosh! I just totally blanked on. <laughs>
0: National (laughs) Writing Month. Somebody. I can't come up with it yeah, <laughs> so that, that, uh, uh, me. November I, don't know. I think so yeah. national
2: November I don't know anyway um, but NaNoWriMo Net- Net- Netai- Neto- is, is you write 50,000 words in, in a month um, and they've got a great little website where you go ahead and, and you, know, you can upload and they'll do the word count and they put you in, in groups you know based on, on what your interests are or where you happen to live um, they actually have a couple of extra ones during the year um, they've got one in the spring and there's one that actually just started today but I have been suckered into um, One of my in, in my gaming circle of friends Is another author Named Mercedes Lackey And um, she actually Encouraged me to To do this This month So I currently have 1200 words in there From this morning we <laughs> So <it's well> <laughs> that. the rest That's the day it goes But yeah I, I I I I bow to your prowess because man, that took a long time in this morning.
1: <laughs> you know, I think it's really different for me. I go where the story goes, and sometimes the story I have the story, and I can write ten thousand words a day. And sometimes it's just slogging along five hundred words. It's tough when you write serial fiction because you've got to. I don't have a choice. If right. I don't, at this point, um, mm-hmm. Denver Serial has uh, between thirty and fifty thousand people on the site every single month. And so, if I don't put a po- a chapter up, my ebox is full of emails from people <laughs> around the world saying, "Where is my Denver is cereal? It- I cannot start my day without it uh, um, so, so you know it's it's, it's an big. awesome problem to have but <laughs> yeah. Have yeah do
2: you, plan- do you do you storyboard your you know your your cereal out uh, in yes. advance mm
1: No, No, I find that it doesn't, um, that that's not very helpful for me, that I can't ever predict where something is going to go. Okay. Uh, I don't ever know. I have some vague ideas, like the Queen of Cool is probably the best, um, kind of laboratory to look at, because I did it last year, and I had a very strict deadlines, I had, I had had this contract, I had to get two chapters a month, um, and I had to go 26 chapters, because I had a year. So, um... And then I was done. And that was it. Oh, okay. And so I did some, you know, I put up on my whiteboard what, what I wanted to, goals I wanted to hit at each chapter and where I thought it would go. But in the end, it went someplace totally different that I had no idea what's going to go. Well, that's so uh, interesting. It's, well, just, it's just how things work for me. You know, um, again, it's... I, I totally bow to the prowess of people who love to write outlines. Um, I tend to be absolutely a list person. I check things off my list. I love my list. But um, I don't do that with my writing. I just go. I well, sit down and I just go.
0: And that's really um, important for our listeners to hear because there are so many people out there that want to write a book, but they only have the beginning idea, and they're like, well, if I don't know where it's going to go – You know, I'm not going to bother starting because, you know, they've maybe heard that you have to outline or you have to storyboard or you have to do this. You have to do that. And you're the perfect example of, no, you don't. You just can sit down and start writing and let the story take you where the story is going to take you. And it's like having a discussion. Like, I can start a podcast going in one direction and in the middle of it, we totally change directions and make it something totally different because of the discussion. So when you're writing, you're having a discussion with your characters, you're just pulling out, you know, what's going to happen, and they drive the book. And your writing goes wherever your characters take you. And you have certain constraints, like, you know, they're in this particular city, but what happens, like you said, sometimes you let your, your um, readers give you some input, and sometimes, you know, it just goes where you, it, it tells you where to go. That that's certainly how it works for me. I
1: mean, the way that I talk about it is that I'm just a conduit for the story, Mm -hmm. that the story exists. Uh, There's a lot of stuff. You know, people have asked me, you know, why did I do that? And why did I do that? I mean, the first book of the Alex the Faye series, the character is so deeply depressed. I mean if I was making choices, that's not my choice. Right. That's not what I would choose mm-hmm. for the right. first book, you know, the first book of any series would be to have a character that's so deeply depressed that she can barely I mean she can barely get out of bed. Her family has to trick her to leave the house. You know, she's just really depressed. It's not and just the language that it's written in is really written around to to give the reader the feeling of what it's like to feel that constraint and that depression Um, so I I feel like the stories are there I try and tell them and I just try and get out of the way my mantra is really settle down and get it done you know get out of the way and get it done and then I have some great editors you know
0: Mm -hmm. well and the editors probably help you to keep your story on track for things that um, you know may have happened in the past that you need to be some consistency with and they can find um things where you may have wandered off track a little bit or um if something that a character does it doesn't quite make sense or things like that
1: well i mean i i think that would be an interesting idea i, I haven't had that experience yet again i'm a okay. big list keeper so i keep keep a lot of that those lists myself um what they usually do is they um, talk about where things will go. But even then, you know, because I so step out of the way, the stories are always surprising. I mean, one of the comments that I always get is I can never f- predict what's going to happen. There's always a surprise or a twist or a turn. And it's not intentional, it's just how the story is. Um, and some of it, you know, sometimes I do a bit of writing sleight of hand, you know, which is really look over here, look over here, look over here. Oh, we're going this way. Um, and sometimes that's intentional. But, um, you know, it's like being a magician, you know, look over here, look over here. If you really want to, particularly in serial fiction, if you really want to get people's interest, that's how you do it. But, um, you know, outside of just that, those little tricks, mostly I just tell a story. And people feel like, people say the characters feel really real. They think about them a lot. They feel like they're family or they're friends. Um, And I think that some of that is is why.
0: Well, and I do know we've talked to um, many authors that actually do have your same, um, they don't do serial. You're the first person I've talked to that does serial um, fiction. But a lot of authors do say that the story, they're the conduit for the story. And if you think back, you know, back in time before we had rules and how should things be done, there's always been storytellers. And like you said, with Charles Dickens, you know, I mean, no one told him he had to structure his stories a certain way. You know, he just did it.
1: (laughs) And, um... He was very talented. I mean, I think that there's no way uh, that, that we can only underestimate the talent that these people had. Um... But yes, no one told him how to do it. And certainly there were a lot of rule breakers, you know, like Judy Bloom, yeah. like mm-hmm. James Joyce. You know, people we, don't, we grew up with and don't even really think of were absolutely rule breakers. And right. I think that some of, you know, uh, you know, some of the flip side to this is that I really get a lot of the hail um, that comes at women now. Um, because I'm, I'm kind of the figurehead on a ship of strong women going through difficult times. Um, and so I get a lot of that hail, but, but, and so I look to these people and see how much they got. I mean, you know, Judy Blume's books were banned, you know, I mean, (laughs) James Joyce was banned in, you know, and it was a Supreme Court case to get his Mm -hmm. books published in the United States. I mean, you know, it's crazy. So other people have had the same problems, um,
0: And it's just, it's, um, to me, it's very enlightening and freeing to be able to tell authors that, you know, write how you want to write. And then when you're finished with it, go back through or have editors go back through. But don't try to conform to a particular um, type of thing. There's a lot of people that are crossing genres, you know, like they're mixing genres up, like, you know, fantasy, sci-fi, paranormal. And, you know, used in the past, it would just be, you know, you fit into one or the other. And now it's like, no, they're just like mashing it all together. And I think that's partially because of the ability to be able to self publish now. And the public isn't being restricted as to what they're able to get because it's not the traditional publishers doing the gatekeeping anymore it Mm -hmm. is you know people like you that are going out there and publishing your own way now why don't you explain to us a little bit about um you said you're a publisher explain a little bit about how that came about and um how you know how you came to that decision well i wanted to back up a little bit and comment
1: on on what you had said um if that's okay Oh yeah, totally okay um I think that, you know, because we grew up with this model of publishing of, you know, these houses in New York or these houses back east, there's a few on the west coast. We believe that publishing has always been that way. And we talk about back in the day. But when we talk about back in the day, we're talking about the 1980s. I mean, when when people like Dickens wrote, there weren't genres. When Conan Doyle wrote, there weren't genres. There weren't. There weren't, And there weren't conglomerate publishers who had to purchase books to pay Wall, their Wall Street people, right. you know, to pay their shareholders. And so if we're going to really talk about publishing, you know, we have to start there. Okay. That, that publishing has only been this way for the last 20 or 30 years. And so we think about it as them as gatekeepers and them as legitimizers. And to a certain extent, they are. But what we have to also understand is that in the last 20 or 30 years, publishers have functioned primarily to feed their shareholders. They haven't published primarily to feed the reader. They haven't published primarily to feed the author. They haven't published to primarily feed anybody other than their shareholders. And that's what they do now. And now that that the Wall Street has changed and you've got people who will buy a stock today and trade it this afternoon and that whole, whole thing has come about in the last 10 or 15 15 years. The translation to books means that, that they're not gatekeepers at all. All, the, all they're interested in is, is publishing whatever it is that's going to generate them enough money to keep their shares up. And that's right. the publishing model that we talk about as being legitimate, as we talk about as being, you know, like you were just saying, we're used to this idea of genres. Well, genres are just a shorthand way for people who are trying to serve shareholders of trying to
0: Pigeonhole. He,
1: of to, trying to pigeonhole authors so that they can feed feed a massive hundred i mean think about flocks and flocks of chickens mm-hmm. that's what shareholders are because if you don't feed them well they're going to leave and the moment that they leave you lose all your financing you know your stock starts to crash your bill you can't pay your employees you know it's this whole thing that we're now seeing even with facebook that It's just a change in the way that Wall Street works. Well, first it's a change in the way that publishing works, and then there's been this massive change in the way that Wall Street works. And so publishers are are constantly on this treadmill, publishers and editors. um, In the time that I've been involved in publishing, um, we ran a a holistic health and well-being media company from 2001 to 2006. From 2001 to now, that's 11 years. Things have changed so dramatically that you just – can't even fathom it. Um, editors who in two thousand one were working on twenty manuscripts are working on two hundred manuscripts now. Wow. Um, you know, there's just no way. You know. And and what the publishing company wants to do is is again, is they want you know, think about chickens. They want to constantly feed chickens, you know, get that feed out there, which is the money that they're making from books from people who can sell, you know, ten million books, snooky. Yep.
0: You know, that's that's really funny because someone else brought up the fact that, you know, the whole Jersey Shore cast gets book contracts when, you know, quote unquote, real writers, because, of course, we know the Jersey Shore people didn't write the books themselves. um, You know, real writers are out there and can't get a book in the door. But because Snooki is who she is, she can write a book and sell a gazillion copies just because. Right, to feed the chickens. I mean, again, it makes total
1: sense. As as for publishing and printing and writing and supportive authors and books and the way that publishing works, this has never been like this. And I think that if I were to say something to authors, it would be that. Publishing has never been like this, ever. And and when people talk about self-publishing and how small that is and you can't really publish your own thing and you have to, you know, at least you're not self-publishing or whatever. However, what they don't understand is that everybody self-published, yeah. everybody you can think of, everybody I can think of that I admire mm-hmm. um, from history or history authors or from an AP English class, they all self-published. Dickens owned his own publishing company. Walt Whitman published his own, own poems. James Joyce, you know, famously published his own work. Um, and so... You know, Virginia Woolf published her own work. So the people that we really admire and are or at least that I do, and take as role models or mentors, have been doing did this a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. I mean, remember the Bible didn't have a publisher. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Bible, the Quran, any of the you know none of that you know, stuff. The oldest printed text. None right. did. You neither did the Buddhist sutras. Nothing. Yep. You know. Yeah, it was so. just there, and then people. Did what they did with so that's that's really great information because again there's a lot of pub, there's a lot of writers out there that still think if they aren't published with a traditional publishing house that they're not legitimate and I am along with your line of thinking that you know no there are a lot of people that got rejected by major publishing houses before they became successful. And there are a lot of people who are publishing under their own imprint or under small press or, you know, completely and totally on their own. And they're quite successful because no matter who you publish with, you got to do your own marketing. And that's what sells books. It isn't the publishing company name. It's the writer and the writing that sells right. your books. And that has been true
1: at least for the last 10 years. I mean, maybe there was a Golden Gravy Day 30 years ago or 40 years ago or, you know, I don't know. I've never sat down with Stephen King to ask him. He would be (laughs) the person to ask, Yeah, you know. But um, maybe there was. I doubt it. You know, I think that publishers have always, particularly ones on Wall Street, have always been trying to feed, you know, what were once goats are now, you know, a billion little chickens. And so... You know what are you gonna do? You gotta feed him. Um, so I think that it's an interesting point. Um, I, I think that that the whole point of the legitimacy. Is some way for this entire system to make to get people to buy into it. I mean, right. I see agents openly mock authors on Twitter. It's just infuriating to me, you know, saying the meanest things. You know, of course, it's all anonymous. The meanest right. things you could possibly think of because they're an agent. And, you know, an agent. You know, yeah. I've never seen. I have never, and I've known a lot of of real uh, realtors, um, because I've known a lot of actors and singers and things like that. Um, but I've known a lot of real realtors. I have never met a realtor who dogged a property as right. badly as any as as an agent talks about writers. It's just unbelievable to me. And they have. I mean, they have no job basically. Right. I mean, right. They're completely, are completely
0: being eliminated?
1: Right. They've completely written them, they're completely written out, except for awesome you know agents, there are a few of them that are really you know taking on the business business manager role and developing authors and, and getting to do it. But most of them are just ridiculous. And so the entire system is is crumbling. Um, and, and so when you asked me, well, how did I get into publishing? What happened is that I had, because I had been, run this holistic health and well-being program, I knew a lot of people in publishing in New York. And so it was 2008, I had the Faye, which is the first of the Alex the Faye series. It was out to publishers. I had a couple of agents who were interested. I had a couple of ed- editors who were reading it. Um, and what I heard from more than one person is, you better pull this book. Because publishing is crum- is going to crumble, um, oh, and and the okay. reason that the reason that I was to pull it was that if I had gotten engaged in a contract there, I would be stuck. Yep. And that happened to a lot of authors. They had they had contracts with agents and they had contracts with publishers. And since publishing and that publishing fell apart. Um, on in and, and then and then what happened is that we started I called my usual group of of friends who say yes and um, asked them if they wanted to start a publishing company and and surprisingly they said yes and um, so the group of us said okay we're gonna move forward and I we did the We filed the corporate papers on November 28th, and on December 8th, um, the New York publishers let go of 50% of their employees, of their editors, of their – not not the people who, like, are the runners, actual people who run the business. And so it was just very good luck, you know, so it's kind of like stepping through the crumblings of a falling building. Um, now we're at a place where, um, you know, we've lost a couple people in our business, which is fine. They've moved on to really awesome product projects. Um, and we are moving this year into creating a, a publishing co-op um, where we will have editors and authors who have equal standing in a true cooperative model. Um this I don't know, you probably know this or you may not, is that the UN has declared that twenty twelve is the year of the co-op. And so we are learning about co-ops and talking to lawyers and by the end of the year we'll have it all done. And so editors, authors, us we'll be well, I have there's two other people on our board of directors, myself and two other people will be the board of directors and then we'll have a co op and um Starting next year, we'll start inviting – we've already spoken to a couple of editors who are just waiting for us to get our stuff together, and that's what's going
0: to happen. And how do you have time for that while you're writing 40,000 words a month? <laughs> I have a lot of energy. That's – you know, and, and, you know, like in the industry that Karen and I are in, it's called, you know, adapt or die. You know, like we, the, the inner, the industry that we're in for our main day jobs is internet marketing and affiliate marketing. And a lot of people still don't know what that is. And the people that do know who it is, the people who are successful are the people who adapt and change. They aren't the people trying to feed the chickens. They're the people who are entrepreneurs, who are finding a need and filling it. And that's exactly what you did. You found a need, you filled that need. You're growing your business according to what you see as what is needed in your industry. And that's exactly what Karen and I do. You know, if we don't adapt to the changes that are going on on the Internet and in our industry and with, you know, legal things that come down the pike. You know, you mentioned, you know, James Joyce and his um, Supreme Court. Well, we have, you know, little legal things that people are starting to figure out about the internet marketing industry and you know some states are trying to do certain things and there are roadblocks and we have to get around those roadblocks and be creative and you know that's what you did and I admire that and I did not know it was the UN year of the co-op. So
2: yes. now I have to now I have to every day now
0: now that's something else Karen and I have to go look into. <laughs> um, you know we go
1: to Equal Exchange is a coffee company and they're actually some of the people that motivated us it's one of those weird things is, is that uh, while well, I appreciate what you're saying and in hindsight we we'll, I look so smart. Um, and certainly all of us are kind of very smug about how smart we look. The truth of it is that I went for what I was passionate about. Um, I love serial fiction, and mm-hmm. I have loved serial fiction since I was a little kid. And I was in San Francisco in the middle. I was working on an Amphar grant in the middle of the AIDS crisis, and there was Tales of the City written by Amstead Maupin. And I think I thought, uh, that's what I want to do. I, you know, it really, it's, mm-hmm. it stayed with me. It nurtured me me, Armistead um gave us a language for us to be able to even talk about AIDS. I don't think that we would be able to talk about it just like I am if he hadn't written Tales of the City and so so all of us are impacted by the work of serial fiction and I think that I saw that and thought that's what I want to do I feel really passionate about it and to bring it so much so that I'm willing to stretch to bring it to cities that I don't live in mm-hmm. which means that I need to talk to people and do extra research and I'm on Google Maps and I, you know I have a Google Earth account <laughs> special plugins for Google Earth and you know I'm constantly interacting and trying to get the places and then I go there and do a bunch of marketing and it's a tremendous effort but i feel so passionate about serial fiction and trying to bring bring something that's interesting and belongs to a city and then also highlights the city like like in in fort worth i know more about fort worth than my friends who live there (laughs) i was always like i went there and i was like well why don't you go here Well, why don't you go there um i i tend to hang out with ghost hunters and so you know i was like well why aren't we ghost hunting here
0: nice (laughs)
1: so they're like trying to get it all worked out, so I can come down and we can go hunt in the tunnels under uh, under the stockyards. So, oh, have fun! If that happens, then uh, then certainly you know I'll have an overall group of things. But you know, again. I think that what we did is we went with what we're passionate about. Um, The president of our company is very passionate about the cooperative model and has spent hours and hours running numbers and he's a statistician and running numbers of what would work and what makes the most sense and how everybody would make enough money and how we would be able to share and what we would do as a company and what what the collective would do and how we could get people involved who might, you know, like Karen, you you might write this thing and you might finish it, but you might also so it might take you three or four years. How do we get mm-hmm. you engaged and involved? How could you be involved, and in it? it would make sense to you to be a part of the collective? Um, and so, those are the things that he's so passionate about, and and that's really some of what's driving us forward. The other woman that's on our um, on our team is really was really interested in engaging people about their history and their family history and so her big push is to try and get us to get involved with people and to help people publish books who you know are listening to grandma's stories so there are a couple of of companies out there that do that and we may connect with them or engage with them or be a service for them I'm not sure we'll have to look at it that that's what she's really passionate about and that's what we're moving forward with I think personally you know you have to find what you're passionate about and then find you know you sit by the niche and da, da 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 I think that the niches are there if you're passionate about it then somebody else is too and you should follow what it is that you're really passionate about because um and honestly I don't mean to get all spiritual or godly but if you're passionate about something you are put here to do it yep. and if you don't do it you're just wasting everybody's time you know, and I think that about stories. I mean some of it is you can hear the unkindness in, in for myself. I think that about stories. This story came to me. It is my job to get it done. And if I don't get it done, then I have failed this these characters and this story, you know? I gotta get it done. And I think that people kind of miss it in uh, a whole ego dynamic of you know what am I going to do and why don't I have a publisher and I'm going to pay some snide crappy agent to tell me how much I suck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you oh, know, why don't you want
1: to just engage your reader? Yep. You know? That's the dynamic that matters. The rest of this stuff doesn't matter because the readers are buying your work. So when people say to me, I'm waiting to get picked up by
0: a big poster, I think, well, you must be rich.
1: You know? Because
0: <laughs> you're going to wait a really long time. <laughs> wait a
1: really long time because there are readers out there that would read it today.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you're losing money by waiting. And uh, we have a friend of ours that um, totally has – You know, he was traditionally published by um, a business book publisher that publishes strictly nonfiction, and he predicted a couple years ago that this company is going to crumble. It hasn't totally yet because I've heard of new authors that are, like, all excited they're being signed by this company, and yet I see what they did to our friend and what happened with him, and he is totally self-publishing everything now. You know, he will never work with uh, a traditional publishing house with a contract again. And he not only is writing his own stuff, he crowdfunded his next three books. He uh, he did it before it was popular. He did it uh, a year ago. And he raised $35,000 to be able to write three books. So he says he got his own book advance from people that want to read his books. And, you know, for him, that's what's going to work going forward. And he, you know, broke all the rules and you know, we're surrounded by people, the successful people that we know are the people that don't follow the rules, they're the people that break the rules, because who made the rules to begin with, you know, Uh and uh, like you said, they made the rules because this is how it's easy to market, this is how it's easy to make money, this is how it's easy to, you know, churn something out, and you know, people like you, whether you want to think of yourself as a pioneer or not, you are. Karen is a pioneer. I'm a pioneer. We're all pioneers in our own way because we're passionate about what we do, whether it's writing or running our own business or being a publisher. So, you know, you have, you know, you have the energy and you have the ability to share the stories, channel the the stories and start a new publishing model and do the research so that co-ops can exist, not just for yourself, but in the future other people will have a model to follow.
1: Well, I mean that certainly would be the dream. You know, the dream is to have a company outlive us and and not only outlive us but to have have them publish have them exists all over where writers and editors and editors can get back to doing what they love to do which right. is, you know, develop authors and engage in that dialogue and participate in the communication with readers. I mean, that's a, a beautiful dynamic um, I, I mean, I personally feel like the the author-reader dynamic is a sacred agreement that you make, and if you decide that you instead want to make your agreements with the publishing company, then then that's awesome, but You're not going to have that sacred agreement. It's like um, I go to physical therapy because I have some back issues and um, the physical therapy place has this great close relationship with my insurance company. Right, and so I'm just kind of there on the sidelines, like, okay, you guys, when you guys are done making love to each other, then talk to me about (laughs) it. Yeah, right, that would be awesome. But that's what it's like when an author goes to a publisher; they have a dynamic relationship, and the reader is like, okay, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. give me the book. All I want is the book. I want to read the book, and I think it's really great because. You know, we have a lot of new platforms, and like you said, you publish everywhere and in every format, including blogging on the – or, you know, not you're not blogging your book. You're, you're publishing it on a website, which other people would call blogging a book, and it's just like you are giving people what they want to read in whatever format they want to read it in, and there are so many people that are still like, you know, I only want to read in print. Well, great. You know, we'll create a print book for you then. And, you know, I published some books on on the Kindle just to test the waters and see how things were. And, you know, feedback from a couple of my friends, uh, Karen knows who I'm talking about, sent me a message. Well, I need the print version. And if you make the print version, I'll buy it. And my parents will buy it. And, you know, because we want a physical book that we can hold in our hands. And yet there's other people that are like they want their whole library to be on their e-reader. Because for them, then they get on the airplane and they can pick whatever the heck they want to read. They didn't have to bring five books with them. Or the book that only has one chapter left to be read. And then now you got to figure out which one you want to read next. You know, you have it all there electronically. And it's all about giving people choices. And again, you found a need, you filled it, and you're listening to your customers who are your readers. If you want to put it in a business sense. You know, your customers are your readers and you're fulfilling the need that your readers have by doing something that you're passionate about. Your editors are passionate about their part of the job. You know, I mean, we aren't all writers. And some of us are good writers. Some are good editors. Some are good illustrators. You know, let everybody do their job without, you know, agents getting in the way or uh, putting you down because you don't fit some kind of niche that they're looking for.
1: I, I think that that is very well said. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I also think, you know, again, you have to do what it is that you're passionate about because, you know, the hail comes. And I've had people say just horrible things, you know, to me and in reviews on Amazon and everything else. And if you're not passionate about what you're doing, then all that stuff is going to stop you. And, you, and again, in my, ter- in my words, I will have then failed these characters to really bring their story to life. And, and that, to me, feels bad
0: that's awesome well we didn't cover all the things I wanted to but this has been a fascinating fascinating um, conversation about serial novels or serial um, publishing that I didn't know about before and I probably have read serials but didn't realize it so um, <laughs> this has been great insight and I, I really do want to talk to you again you know do a follow-up in a couple of weeks um, about a lot more of what you know what you do and, um, cause we never even touched upon marketing and I know, but <laughs> yeah, sounds fabulous. I'm happy to talk to you anytime. Or the brownie contest.
1: <laughs> oh, or the brownie contest. Oh yeah, that was really fun. Oh, no. <laughs> that was really fun. Well, I, very quickly, we did a brownie contest because Denver, because brownies are an integral part of brownies of Denver cereal. Okay. Uh, And so they're in the books. Um, I mean, we had just the most amazing response. I mean, one woman went to the chapter and reconstructed the recipe that I had used to you know, I had a recipe in front of me that I wrote. She was making them, making the brownies. She went through and made her recipe based on that chapter. I mean, we just had really incredible people. Um, made brownies, and then I wrote a story for – Was there were five Sundays in July, and I wrote a story to go around the brownie contest. And then, of course, none of us could decide what brownie we liked better. They were too different. And every time we got
0: more people involved, they all agreed, you know, we
1: could never <laughs> break out of our
0: pattern of people, you know. It's and, crazy, and we know a woman in Denver who loves brownies. I keep thinking about Jen Goodies, so we're gonna I give know. her a shout out. Yeah, an, shout out. We a, have the recipes up, so they're and they're fabulous. Yeah, and and Jen's Jen's goodies are fabulous too. Jen, Goody, no. <laughs> Jen Goody's Jen Goodies, Jen Goody's brownies are fabulous too. And everybody who does good deeds for she always says, "Okay, I owe you a brownie." And you know everybody always asks her where the brownies are because we're all internet people, so we don't actually like meet in person very frequently. <laughs> we give frequently. virtual brownies, yeah. Yeah, we give virtual brownies all the time. So ah, well, see, I would get
1: your addresses and just mail them to you. I mailed out all the brownies to the to the board members. I did mail them mail them out, and yeah, wait. I mean, it was just a, it was just crazy. So we'll do it again next year. I mean, the hope is to do it again next year and to have it just be something. Um, That's fun. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw – we should probably go, right? But I don't know if you guys saw Seth Gooden's um, thing – on, I don't know what the day was but he was talking about the circles of marketing and how we always think about marketing as as the clicks that we get or the ads that we do or introducing ourselves into other markets but real marketing happens with the people who are right there in front of you and engaging your community you know that's basically what the brownie contest was people say they want more stories we were in the middle of a story about a certain set of characters and they wanted to hear about the other characters and were complaining on facebook and so So the story that happened on Sunday was just a simple little story of people getting together and eating brownies.
0: That's awesome. That is that is just so great. All right, well, we're going to wrap this one up, but we um, are definitely going to have you on again. And um, so, where can people find you on the internet? Give us the (sighs) name because a lot of our listeners listen on iTunes, and oh, nice. They uh, need to hear where to go find you.
1: Right. Well, Denver Cereal is at denversereal.com, dot com with a C. D E N V R C E R E A L. Dot com. And then you can find the Thriller series at alexthefay.com. Um, you certainly can find me at Facebook, and that's claudia.h.christian. All of our stuff is up at Facebook. Um, the the You can, you know, to find me, I guess, it's pretty easy. If you type in Claudia in Denver, I usually come up. But um, you can find me on, on Amazon, and Smashwords is one of my favorite places in the planet. Um so all of the first books of our, of the series, so the Alex the Fae series, the first one is the
0: Faye. You can download that for free almost everywhere. Can you, you, can, can you spell Fay for me? Because I know there's a bunch of sure. different ways to spell it. it it's F-E-Y. Yeah, I totally. That wasn't one of them that I had in my head. So oh. there you go. <laughs> it's Alex. It's
1: A-L-E-X, Okay. T-A-T fe com, okay. and um you can download the first one of that series for free you can download the first denver serial for free um and it gives you a chance to see if you like it it's one of those things that people either like it or they don't and so it gives you a chance to read them and they're full books you can do with them whatever you want to um and
0: you know okay twitter facebook
1: twitter i'm claudia c facebook it's Christians, my page and then you know there's the alex the fay page and a denver serial page uh, and a queen of cool page oh yeah the queen of cool dot com is where the story the mystery in fort worth that's kind of intense so if you um if you like really emotional uh mysteries that's what that is um and it's the queen of com. okay yeah, and I have a blog at onalim.com. dot com. So but again, you know, if you just type my name into Google, something's gonna come up.
0: <laughs> as long as the other woman doesn't come up. Yeah, make sure you include the hall.
1: <laughs> right. right.
0: That is not me in those pictures. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's really funny. Um and uh, as always, we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. Claudia, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your insights and, yeah. Your, yeah. and your and your passion. And you know, it really comes through in in what you what you talk about. So uh, for those of you that are listening on Podcatchers or you know on iTunes, please go to bookgoodies.com BookGoodies dot com, and you can search for Claudia there, and you'll find the right Claudia and the <laughs> podcast with the show notes. And we'd love if you would comment. You know, if you have any comments or questions, you can leave those. You know, in the thread uh, on the uh, on the particular podcast. If you want to be our guest, you can go to the top of the Book Goodies page and click on. Contact us, and it'll let you um, offer to be on our podcast. And you can also tell us about your books by clicking on "Tell Us About Your Book." And as always, we like to thank GeekCast, G E E K C A S T FM, for um, hosting all of our podcasts and many more podcasts with about internet marketing and uh, marketing in general, and uh, podcasts about people who work from home and. Um, Of course, our wonderful author series is over there as well. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening today. So get out there, get writing, follow your passion, and have a great day.